again, fellow travellers, and welcome to podcast 147 in our series, You Should Have Been There, with me, Mick Webb. And me, Simon Calder, and I'm in a rather noisy environment today. Uh, that's because I'm at gate 17 at Heathrow Airport, about to board, and I'm going to give you exact time it's uh, leaving, 45 four minutes from now uh, Virgin Atlantic plane and as a result of that well there's going to be noises off and news has just broken of a passport strike which is going to uh, uh, possibly cause consternation for oh. people um, and so therefore I may need to break off at any moment but let's see how we get on anyway the idea of this passport uh, this podcast is that we're going to take a leaf <laughs> out of Mark Walters book um, that's Mark of the mighty YouTube travel channel Walters World and focus on things you shouldn't do when traveling so we'll share some bitter traveling experiences of our own in the hope that you won't make the same daft blunders as we did and i'm afraid in my particular case i ought to be quite good at booking flights but i quite often get it wrong well ha, yes well my tale will be about a misplaced and extremely expensive click uh, that i made but uh, let's begin with some happier experiences arising from our recent podcasts and i mean of course contributions from listeners to yshbt let me thank first of all uh, rebecca halpen great friend of the podcast who answered the query my query about where the very fine photo of her children in their Walter's World t-shirts was taken. Now, I'm sure you remember, Simon, I hazarded a guess at Valencia's extremely fetching um, City of Arts and yes. Sciences, a collection of five or six space-age but beautiful buildings at the end of the reclaimed River Turia and uh, very close to the sea. Anyway, Rebecca says... You were correct. My photo was taken in the Valencian City of Arts and Sciences. And your next podcast mentions crawling babies in hotel rooms. My daughter learned to crawl on the very same day that we were going to stay in a hotel in Lisbon. And she kept aiming for the cables behind the fridge. Uh, yes, and in the podcast that uh, Rebecca mentions, 146, if you'd like to listen to it or listen again as a special treat, we discussed <laughs> travelling with young children and came to the general conclusion that the younger, the better um, when wiring and unstable tables and balconies and swimming pools and awful things under beds are not a constant and worrying threat. And there can be, we heard, unexpected uh, bonuses. Sharon says, we travelled to Rome with my red-haired niece, who was aged about three. In restaurants, waiters pretended to fight over her. Teenage girls ran across the Piazza Navona to coo over her. And when we got to the top of the Spanish steps, a vendor called us over to give her a free ice cream never heard of before in the heart of uh, tourism Rome. <laughs> That's very good. I found that um, with my two boys that it was their blue eyes that um, attracted ah. most attention and occasionally um, a free plate of spaghetti for them. But um, Rebecca, again, um, backs this point up. Most of Europe, very welcoming to children. As a baby, my son was taken into the kitchen of a couscous restaurant in Marseille by a waiter who then returned with a specially made plate of food for him. Madrid Airport has a nursery including beds and childcare and a soft play centre. Uh, that's uh, great to know. Maybe we should promote Rebecca from being not just a friend of the programme, maybe an intern. 
um, to, to you should have been there. And she can get exactly the same wages we get, which is nothing at all. Anyway, Paul M raises the more contentious issue of babies on planes. He says, when my daughter was a baby, we took her on a weekend to Bordeaux, flying on British Airways. A passenger complained about being seated near a baby. The steward retorted, and I don't like being near fat, rude men with greasy hair either. Was this you, Mick? Anyway, the passengers, says Paul, erupted in applause. No, you'll be hearing from my lawyer. Well, if your lawyer is as good as your football team, I won't be worrying very much, sorry. Um, as we speak, Patrick Vieira has been sacked as manager of uh, Crystal Palace. Anyway, we try to keep up to the minute and we've um, got some up to the minute research into travels with babies thanks to Alec Webb, a very new father who set out on a weekend break from London with his partner Camilla and two-week-old Rudy. And I think it's your turn to declare an interest here, Mick. Yes, Alec is my son, and so baby Rudy is my new grandson. First proper journey for little Rudy was to Dimchurch in Kent, and he was about, well, he was exactly two weeks old. Um, Camilla just spoke to, partner Camilla just spoke to her dad, and he said that the reason why you went there was clearly because you just wanted to prove that your lives were still normal and you can still do things i.e there wasn't any real reason to go to that particular place but actually it was nice we had a nice time there it was um it was i mean it's like classic english coastal place but it was there was there was no one there so it was lovely kind of and then, and then we went to Dungeness, which is even lovelier in a kind of sparse... Ah, yeah, which I've been to. Yeah, that, that is lovely, isn't it? Really in a kind of wild, slightly mad kind of windswept way. Yeah, wild, windswept. Good place for a two-week-old, probably not. Um, we It was freezing cold. <laughs> and we were we basically got there's a there was a kind of brilliant fisherman who was sat in his tiny hut and it was just us four including tiny rudy on the on the beach and he was like <laughs> he basically said the further to the sea you get the colder it gets you're brave for bringing a small person down there and i think at that moment we kind of realized that we were pushing pushing <laughs> the boundaries a little bit and ended up trundling back to the car well, I mean, what what sort of traveller did Rudy turn out to be then? Because it must be, a, what, a couple of hours drive. Well, you went by car, didn't you, from uh, South London, where you live? We're still learning what sort of traveller he is. And at the moment, he is, yeah, kind of perfect. Two-hour two drive there, two-hour drive back. Slept pretty much the entire way there and back, which is kind of pretty heroic. Ah, that's a good traveller. And then we went to a pub, uh, kind of like a country pub where it said on the door, you know, no one under the age of 18 sort of thing. We were a bit like, ooh, sort of pushing it. But went in and he was, yeah, he was really relaxed there as well. So he could have a, like a pint and relax in a pub with a, with a sleeping, slumped out baby. Um, and, and everyone was very complimentary. Someone was quite surprised oh, wow. that we'd made his first holiday a trip to dim church what why what did they uh how, how what did they say i think they kind of said lucky thing but with a kind of knowing 
very much aware that he wasn't that lucky. <laughs> um, but no, it's really nice. Well, Baby Rudy did well, but Dimchurch didn't get a great rating there. Uh, do you know it at all? Well, I do, and it, it doesn't actually even get a good billing with the um, only tourist attraction thereabouts, which is the Romney Hyde and Dimchurch Railway. It's um, trading a very poor third. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's true. And uh, the railway, though, uh, when it's running, is uh, is great fun. A tiny railway, but which actually takes adult passengers and obviously as many kids as you can get on. And it um, whizzes through the flat lands of Romney Marshes for, I don't know, miles and miles, doesn't it? Uh, it, it does. And um, look, it's a, a, an interesting uh, diversion, not a useful form of transport, which um, some... some um, uh, narrow-gauge railways such as those in North Wales actually serve a very useful transportational purpose. Yeah, no, I see I see what you mean. Um, baby Rudy didn't have much choice um, other than to travel with his parents, of course. But during the making of Podcast 146 about travelling with kids, we also discussed and recorded some thoughts about when children stop going on holiday with their parents, if indeed they do. <laughs> and now, the, uh, the we I mentioned there included Charlotte Hindle, co-author of Lonely Planet's Guide to Travelling with Children. And uh, now it's time for you to declare an interest, Simon. Uh, yes, this is indeed my lovely wife, Charlotte, and uh, mother of our two lovely, um, although increasingly expensive, daughters. <laughs> I think um, there is a certain cohort of, of um, uh, children who actually realise that the key to um, continuing to enjoy um, holidays um, that sometimes can be um, impressive in their scale um, is to uh, keep in with the parents. Whereas um, I, I, I think my last trip with my parents was, I think I was age 14. After that, it was um, camping and hitchhiking on my own. So, uh, do your, your boys um, still still go on holiday with you? And um, and who pays? Yes, they do actually. When um, work permits, and as long as we're paying, they will come along with us for <laughs> weekends, usually, uh, and usually in the UK. But it's um, it's good fun, and uh, I certainly don't begrudge them it. And sometimes it's the only way we can get to find out uh, who they are and what they're up to. Um, but uh, I mean, just sort of thinking back to my own experiences, um, like you, I don't really think I went away at all with my parents after the age of about 14. Um, and uh, before that, I mean, without sounding like that, I think it was a Monty Python sketch in which uh, everybody <laughs> tried to outdo one another with uh, tales of their impoverished yeah. upbringing and <laughs> living in a cardboard yes, box. Yes, in the middle of the road. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but... but uh, yeah, we, we were happy. Yeah, but yes. we were happy. But, um, well, anyway. I mean, we only had one holiday as a family, which is a week Celsius bill. Um, not the most wonderful part of southern England. It rained a lot. Otherwise, I don't remember anything about it. But we did mm. go on day trips. Uh, we uh, In the summer, we went on day trips um, to the south coast, Little Hampton, or if my parents were being adventurous to Climping Sands, which was quite mm. wild and was really annoying because there were no ice cream vans uh, there. And the only thing I really remember about all of this was the uh, the nightmare um, <laughs> scenario of trying to get up Berry Hill, which was a very, mm. very steep hill, which I have actually since driven up and without even noticing it, it was a hill. But uh, in the 19... Um, 
uh, 50s and uh, early 60s, um, cars were really not uh, not built to go up this uh, this steep hill, which you had to go over in order to get down again. So it was a sort of the way through the South Downs down to the South Coast. And um, we were always stuck in a queue of overheating Austins and Fords and Morrises, um, wondering whether the clutch would burn out before we got to the top or whether the caravan being towed in front of us would come hurtling back down the hill and kind of um, smash our car to pieces. Um, I remember that very, very vividly. <laughs> and if anybody wants to try it out these days, it's on the A29 um, heading from kind of southwest of uh, uh, Horsham do I believe, Bogner Regis, yes. um, and strongly to be recommended. Um, Charlotte, you, do you have recollections of your very first family holidays? And, and um, are you are you grateful to your, your parents for, for taking you? Yes, yeah, I do. I mean, both of those, actually. I mean, we would do the same thing pretty much every year. Um, uh, we would, um, uh, we'd, we'd have two weeks. Um, uh, it was pretty much the only two weeks that my dad would had off, uh, would have off um, every year. Uh, we'd get in the car and he would drive very fast down to the south of France. Oh. Um, and then they had their own, so mum and dad had their own tent. Um, and so they would put the tent up and we would have a camping holiday for two weeks. Um, and, um, you know, my dad loved French food and, um, and the French way of life. And, um, and I really, I remember that really well and, and, and it was great. And we would learn a little bit of French. And I remember one year, um, we, we did that and we got down and, um, mum and dad unpacked the tent and they found it had holes in it. So clearly what they'd done is the year before oh, no. they packed it up, <sighs> you know, in the, in the rain, oh, yeah. um, and, and maybe forgotten it or something, um, and it had all gone mouldy. Oh. And um, you know, by the time we got we got down there the next year, I mean, literally the tent was uh, was pretty much in pieces. And I mean, one thing that I think we haven't talked about in terms of travel with children is that you know, it obviously you know you've you've got an extra body or an extra two bodies, or when you bring the you know when you bring the friends and the boyfriend, you've got many other um, um, people around. And um, so. Uh, uh, you know, sometimes things can get a little bit fractious. Um, and I and I thought my mum and dad dealt with the fact that they, you know, they had actually two really quite young children expecting to get into a tent. Um, uh, and, um, um, and you know, like no one had um, anywhere to sleep that night. They dealt with it really well. Uh, yes, because um, and I imagine as well that uh, if it was a campsite where there were lots of French people um they must have um they must have looked pityingly upon you because um French as I remember it always had absolutely impeccable or impeccable tents with all the latest sort of all the mod, mod cons. Con camping mod cons <laughs> including kind of um portable lawnmowers especially for <laughs> doing the bit of grass around their tent and stuff like that <laughs> oh, that's funny uh, Mick, I'm really sorry. I'm being hurried through. Um, I'm the very last passenger in the, the lounge and I'm going to have to um, uh, pick up again on the actual aircraft. Um, so you're going to have to wait for me for a couple of minutes and um, uh, we, we, will, um, uh, we will resume once I've got through this check with these uh, lovely, lovely people. Thank you. Hello, how are you doing? Good luck. Good luck. <laughs> Well, since I last spoke to you from the departure lounge, I've travelled quite a long way. I think I'm slightly a few hundred miles to the west of Ireland, and it's taken me this long to get the in-flight uh, Wi-Fi to work. But um, 
Yes, we are always, and by the way, I'm in a cabin with no infants whatsoever. And do get in touch with us about your memories of traveling, not with children, but as a child. Doesn't matter how old you were, but how rewarding or annoying was it for you? You can tweet us at you should have BT or indeed leave us an audio message um, at anchor.fm forward slash you should have been there. Well, I'm glad you're back and um, uh, progressing well. And uh, I was just bigging myself up for um, spotting the City of Arts and Sciences in Rebecca Halpern's photo, which you can, by the way, see on our Twitter feed. Uh, you should have BT. Uh, but now, um, here are some plaudits for you, Simon, from Deborah Davis, another regular listener, who sent us this voice message following podcast 145, which featured your top 10 tips for holiday travel this year. Uh, Deborah and her partner, Richard, were intending to travel to Tenerife and the lovely island of La Gomera. I just wanted to tell you how you should have been there, saved our recent holiday to the Canaries from complete doom. Um, I was happily listening to episode 144, 10 top tips for a cheaper holiday, um, in bed late on the night of Monday the 20th of February. We were due to fly out to Tenerife on the Wednesday morning, so two days later, and then get the ferry to La Gomera. I was suddenly hit by the bombshell of tip number 10, needing three months still to run in your passport for the date of return from an EU country. Hadn't the faintest idea about this rule, and my passport was due to expire on the 21st of May. Annoyingly, there's a minimum 48-hour wait for an appointment at the passport office, um, and I had to go to Peterborough, even though I live in London, as there were no available appointments in London. But... Going to Peterborough, there was the plus of seeing Peterborough Cathedral, which was very nice. Anyway, had to pay a shed load more than I would have done to renew my passport ultra quickly. Um, Had to also pay £190 to change the outgoing flights to two days later. But the brilliant thing was we did make it to the Canaries, had an absolutely amazing holiday. And if it wasn't for the podcast... That would never have happened. I also met some charming people at the passport office, some of whom had some very interesting tales to tell about why they needed a new passport, including one guy who had had his passport in his outer pocket and a bird had pooed on it. Anyway, thank you again for saving our holiday. Simon, what would have happened to Deborah if she got as far as customs and immigration at uh, Tenerife Airport with a uh, passport that only had a month left or six weeks left to run on it? Well, the overwhelming odds are that she wouldn't have been allowed anywhere near it because um, airlines get fined if they fly people who are not eligible to be admitted to a country and they always err on the side of caution. And that means that um, the airline would have simply said, sorry, your passport's not valid. Um, off you hop and we'll keep your money as well thanks Um, it's possible if she got through then actually once she got to um, Spain they possibly could have not been particularly fussed but I don't think she would have uh, got there and can I um, as we speak uh, remind people 
obviously to check your passport, but also um, I'm, I'm speaking on the morning that uh, news of a five-week passport strike has been announced. Um, that's going to affect uh, passport offices in England, Wales and Scotland from the 3rd of April to the 5th of May, five working weeks a million passport applications would be taking place in that time. Um, and actually, my 11th top tip out of 10, if you see what I mean, is don't apply for a passport if you don't need one. Because it's natural that people out of an abundance of caution will suddenly say, ah, OK, um, I haven't got a, um, my passport expires at the end of the year, but because there's going to be a strike, I better apply for a, a new one now. And that will actually be a kind of self-fulfilling prophecy that will create a surge of applications now and a bottleneck and um, you'll make things much worse for anybody so if your passport is going to stagger on for a few months longer then please let it ah well very good uh, top tip with extra top tip and um, if anybody wants to um, refresh their memory about those top tips, it's podcast 145. Um, but now we're going to progress to, I suppose they're kind of tips, but they're actually um, holiday don'ts or holiday pitfalls, which I think we might um, allow to run and see what um, people can add to our list. And I'm going to start with the uh, confession, which is... Um, very boring in theory so i'm going to try and make it um, as succinct as i can and it was um it was a it was a click problem um the background is i was trying to book uh, earlier this week two flights from london to oviedo in the asturias region of northern spain and i was trying to do it very quickly for reasons i won't go into so i was against the clock which is not a good position to be in when you're um, making online bookings and i made the schoolboy and in fact i think i call it the kindergarten error of not looking properly at the website uh, which was headed cheap ryanair flights and i thought it was ryanair's website but unbeknownst to me at the time was the site of an online travel agent called eSky. Anyway, I clicked and clicked. I did sort of think the website seems a little easier to navigate than um, uh, Ryanair. It doesn't seem to be trying to sell me things all the time. But never mind. I bought two tickets uh, using my credit card and only realised the error of my ways when I got a confirmation email saying that my booking was being processed. Uh, and um, would be with me in 48 hours, which in my experience never happens with airline bookings. And then I realized the error of my ways. Well, I'm so sorry to hear it, Mick. Loads and loads of people have been caught by this. What happens is that um, uh, eSky and some other online travel agents, it's a Polish company, by the way, um, uh, effectively uh, buys um, names. So they will pay for... Uh, search term Ryanair, it pops up, um, it looks just like Ryanair, you're in a hurry, you just want to get through it, absolutely understood, um, and before you know it, you have paid, and uh, you, you, they have got your money, um, and um, well, it, if things start to go wrong, then things can get very expensive oh very quickly. Yeah, well, they certainly did for me, because, because of the um, pressure of time, 
the only thing I could do was actually to book a couple of genuine tickets with Ryanair, which I did, and which, by the way, were cheaper than eSkies, um, who claimed to have the cheapest Ryanair tickets, um, and then see if I could get the, um, the money back. Oh, dear me, this is um, not going well at the moment, and um, uh, partly because eSky, for some absolutely incomprehensible reason, seemed to have changed our booking from the date when it would have uh, should have happened to a to a date three days later and I do not understand this I spoke to Ryanair who actually said if there were four tickets for two people on the same flight they would have actually uh, refunded uh, the money um, but because these guys seem to have changed the whole thing uh, they can't do it or won't do it and obviously they hate East Sky and um, so now I'm in um, I suppose uh, uh, at the moment convivial dispute with East Sky and um, I kind of um, hope I'm going to get some sort of recompense well, yes. I mean, in theory, you have a perfectly good case because forget about the uh, fact that you thought you were booking with Ryanair. The very fact that you booked for date X and they put you on date X plus three uh, means that you have a case for claiming a full refund. Now, they will do absolutely everything in their power to stop giving yeah. you the money. They will also be thinking, hee hee, since Brexit... Um, the Brits wanted to take themselves out of the um, European small claims procedure. So unless Mick has a good uh, lawyer in Warsaw, we're probably ah. quite safe. Um, but since it's you, Mick, I will take it up with them and I will see what they say. Um, I'm absolutely not promising you anything, but um, I will uh, I will fight your corner for you um, and um, explain that you are the well-known um, producer and co-presenter of a leading and surely soon to be award-winning podcast and see what they do but for everybody else please do not just type the name of a airline in because there are all these airline all these online travel agents just waiting to pounce and they know that if you're under pressure you're trying to get things done quickly you will make mistakes and i'm so sorry mick that this happened to you well, it's a very kind offer, and um, and I I hope that it all um, works out well. But uh, I suppose that's another um, it's another top tip. So this is a thing certainly not to do or to take great care of. Um, anyway, enough about my woes. Let's hear a confession from you. Well, I'm afraid, Mick, they are on the same subject. Now, I do pride myself on getting the right um, website. But uh, I'm still not very good at online booking. So, for example, um, I booked a flight to um, uh, Geneva with EasyJet. And I turned up at Luton Airport. And um, for some reason, the flight seemed to have been changed from half, 20 past six till half past six. And I thought, well, that's odd. But, you know, these things happen. Ten minutes, who cares? Um, my boarding pass wouldn't work. And I went to the desk and they said, the reason your boarding pass won't work is because this is Luton Airport. Your flight is leaving from Gatwick Airport. Oh, um, no. But to be fair, there was another flight to Geneva. They said, basically, you're in India and give us 25 quid and we'll let you off and you can travel on this one. So that kind of rather rescued things. Um, then on another occasion uh, with British Midland shortly before their demise, I uh, booked a flight to Belfast 
uh, from Heathrow, and I thought, crikey, this is really good value considering it's going in a couple of days' time. Turned up at Heathrow, um, and my again, things wouldn't work. So I went to the desk and I said, look, it's, it's really silly. And they said, well, the reason is, sir, it's the 18th of October, um, let's say 2011. Um, you've booked for the 18th of September 2012. So you've got a bit of time before your flight goes. Um, on that occasion, they weren't kind to me and it cost me about 200 quid to make good on that. So um, yes, yeah. never never trust me with um, booking a flight. And this actually is a really good reason why um, it's always a great plan to go through a travel agent, a proper human travel agent, because they will very often um, pick up some of the mistakes that you could otherwise yeah. make. No, that's a good point. Although I think it's quite a good idea as well, um, as in the sort of time-honoured um, editor, presenter or producer-presenter relationship, it's always good to have another pair of eyes um, looking at the, uh, yes. the, the, the the plan before you click the um, pay yeah. button particularly. Um, and uh, Oh, oh and, sure, uh, yes. And, and uh, you know, have a co-pilot who's just sitting there watching you um, and would possibly spot. Hang on, um, uh, this isn't Ryanair.com. This is Ryanair.esky.pl or whatever. Are you sure you're in the right place? Um, so yes, uh, clearly we've made many mistakes along the way. We'd love to hear about your travel errors so we can draw up a top ten of don'ts around the topic of travel bookings and what happens, of course, along the way and at your destination. And you can tweet us at you should have BT. Or leave us an audio message at anchor.fm forward slash you should have been there. Well, I'll wish you bon voyage, Simon, um, or bon continuing voyage. And uh, until our next podcast, which we hope will be about solo women's travel, from me, Mick Webb. And me, Simon Calder. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.